Let's take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. I want you to look at that very last verse. I'm just going to read that, and then we're going to open with a prayer, and we'll get uh, to our sermon today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The Bible says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I know that these are just walls and bricks and stones and carpet and wood here, Lord. Uh, but these are your people. Uh, and we come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we come together to worship the God-man, uh, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, help, uh, I ask that you help us uh, uh, to forget about what was on the agenda yesterday or what's, uh, what's on the plan for tomorrow, Lord. All the world around us, Lord, let's uh, ignore it for a moment. And Lord, let's focus on you. And let's see you high and lifted up today, Lord. Let us, let us leave here today, Lord, uh, knowing that we've been with your Son, that, knowing that the Holy Spirit has visited us today, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for, for your hand to be upon us today, Lord. So much, Lord, that, that we know for sure that we've been with Jesus this morning, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you are honored today. Lord, bless the reading of your word, bless the study of your word, and bless the preaching of the word of God, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to just start off by saying, I just read this verse here, I'm going to read it to you again. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. About a year ago, 10 or 11 months ago, uh, up here I preached a message entitled Real Faith. I hope many of y'all remember that. Uh, and honestly, I, I prayed about and I almost preached it this morning again because I want to go through this verse here, faith, hope, and, and charity. Uh, and I preached again about a year ago. And... On that morning, we talked about what real faith looked like. What is real faith? What is, what is a Christian who has real faith, uh, what, what does that really mean? I mean, we hear those words, faith, hope, and love, and we hear those things a lot, and grace, and righteousness, but what, is, what do those things mean, specifically faith and hope and love this morning? Real faith is a faith that presses forward. Real faith is not a reactionary faith. You know how many of us Christians, we go through our lives and we say, well, if the Lord dropped it in my lap, I'll follow that direction. Uh, if the Lord does it, we have a reactionary faith, but God's not called us to have a reactionary faith. He's called us to have a forward faith, a proaction, proactionary faith, uh, if I can put it that way. We want a faith that moves out and, and does things for the Lord. A real faith is a faith that presses forward. And in that, Sunday, in that past Sunday, about a year ago, we looked at seven principles, and we're not going to re-preach that message here, uh, but we looked at seven principles uh, that people of real faith have, who they, principles they live by. And we talked about supplications. Uh, Christians of real faith should be a people of prayer. We talked about scripture, how, how Christians should be a people of the book. The sanctuary, we should be a people of the church. Sacrifice, we should be a giving people. Service, we should be a serving people. Soul winning, we should be a people who tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then submission, we should be an obedient people to God, His church, His word. These are just seven simple things, uh, seven simple principles that people of real faith live by. But in your, in your text here this morning, our beginning text right there in verse 13, Paul categorizes two other attributes there, two other attributes in addition to faith. He says again, now about faith, hope, and charity, these three, the greatest of these is charity. So again, my, my initial goal this morning was to actually preach a message on real love. All the way until Friday, I was, I was planning on preaching a message on real love. 
But as seems to be the case here lately, God says, I don't think so. We're going to preach something different. And he says, I want you to preach on hope first. I want the order that Paul put here. And I know that maybe that meaning just don't, uh, maybe his order really doesn't mean anything. And maybe he just did it ambiguously or just ambivalently or however you want to put that, you know. But I think there's probably something to it. You know, Paul writes that faith, hope, and charity abide. And the greatest is charity. The greatest is love. And we'll, we will get to the meaning of charity or agape love later, maybe, maybe next Sunday. But now, today, I want to focus on hope. Real faith, real hope. What is hope? What is hope? You know, in the progression of, of, of listing things here, as I've already mentioned, Paul could have changed that order. Paul, he said love is the greatest. He could have began with love, but he, he ended with love, probably for emphasis. Again, one would think Paul would have changed the order because faith leads us to love and then to hope. And we can easily conclude that without faith, we really don't have a, a great understanding of agape love. Even with faith, we don't have a great understanding of agape love. But faith is a requirement to get a little closer to that. And when it's cured through faith, it is strengthened through love. We will all agree that love is the, is the glue and the cord that whole things, holds all these things through. So again, he could have written faith, love, and hope, but he didn't. So I'm not going to follow that pattern. I'm going to follow his pattern of faith, hope, and then love. So again, what is hope? What is hope? What's, what comes to your mind when you, when you think of hope? Are we a people of hope? Are we a people of hope? You know, we sing songs. I was studying through Martin Luther's thing, and you know, he wrote that in hope, uh, about God being his mighty fortress. We sing other songs about hope. Remember the, remember the song, Solid Rock? It's, it begins with, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's our hope? Where's our hope this morning? What is hope to us? You know, is it just a byword? I hope I make it to school on time today. I want to point out that the world's definition of hope doesn't always measure up to the book's definition. It's, It's a different concept. You know, to say that we hope that a certain team wins the championship... Or that our car starts when we turn the ignition. That's not the kind of hope the Bible's talking about here. That's not biblical hope. That's not real hope. Like faith and love, look at that verse back there again. And now abideth. It abides. So like faith and love, real hope abides. Real hope doesn't go away. It abides. It continues. It endures. When the lesser things in life fall away, real hope abides. Real hope remains. It abides. Now, of course, as we've already mentioned, love is the key. It's the fiber that holds these things together. And while the greatest of these things is love, real hope still remains. It is a characteristic of people of real faith. And even the tiniest hope is powerful. Even, even without God, if you think about it. Even if it's a false hope. False hope is, as they say in the army, false motivation is better than no motivation. They said it in the Navy as well? Yeah, I'm sure it's true. It's probably not a good statement, but it's... Uh, it's something that motivates us. The tiniest amount of hope is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. 
Stories upon stories and history have been written that, that, that bring to light many families and many individuals and many societies that managed to endure tough times because of hope. Because of hope. And even the world knows this. There's a clinical psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Dale Archer. He writes sometimes for Psychology Today. He wrote this about hope. He says, that if, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. Hope. A hope that remains helps us remain. Hope is based, our hope anyway, is based on faith. It is based on believing in something and a cause, if you will, greater than ourself. And when it comes to, again, a biblical hope, our hope is in who? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our hope is greater than any cause. It's greater than any country. It's greater than anything on this planet. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I'm just going to read these real quick. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the hope of glory. 1 Timothy 1, 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. He is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is our hope. If you had $1.3 million, I say that number because you know, we're in the process of, of selling our house back in the States. And uh, the, our realtor is, is a friend of ours. She goes to our church back in the States, my ascending church. And she asked me how much was I w- wanting to profit. I was like, $1.3 million. So it's been an <laughs> amen, right? So think of the tithe on that. It'd be wonderful. Uh, we would pay the building off maybe, you know. So it'd be great. So anyway, so the whole line is, the whole, whole thing during this very short process has been, I'm working real hard for the bill to get you your $1.3 million. But uh, obviously it's not going to happen. But think about that. You had $1.3 million or, or even euros. You have that in your bank account. But you continue to work as if you didn't. You know, you had that. It's a nice fallback. But you're young. You continue to work through those, uh, through life as if you didn't. And as life went on, uh, you were eventually facing setbacks. Some financial setbacks that would bankrupt other people. I mean, even if you lost your job, you... You look back and it, it, it's, it would be something to other people that would just devastate them. But you go back to your office and your paid off house and you sit behind your computer, your brand new computer, and you go to your bank account and you see it still says $1.3 million. So it only causes you maybe to sit back in your chair and sigh a little bit. Because financially, your hope is in that bank account. And I'm just using that for an example here. So your financial difficulties, as long as that $1.3 million are in there are even if it's 1.2, really not going to phase you a little bit. Because your hope is not in the current situation. It's in that bank account. Again, those setbacks would devastate others, but not you. But as Christians, we have a whole lot more than $1.3 million. We have a better hope than any bank account can offer. We have a more secure hope. A secure hope. Our hope is rooted in our faith. And our faith is rooted in Jesus Christ. And He is our hope. He is our hope. So think about that as we go through life. He is our hope. We're not relying on anything that 
that we put together with our own hands or what our parents put together with our own hands or our bosses or our spouses or anything. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's rooted in a person. In other words, get this. As long as Jesus is, we have hope. As long as he's alive, we have hope. As long as there's a God in heaven, we have hope. And is he not eternal? So we have an eternal hope. And if we can have hope, even by the world's definition, we can endure anything. We can go through anything. We can recover from anything. We can go through anything because real hope remains. With a real hope and a real Jesus, listen, in this life, no matter what we face, we are more than conquerors. I mean, think about, think about David. You know, back when he was fighting Goliath, he picked up those five stones and put them in a sling and he walked down in the valley down there. Did he have a wishy-washy hope? I sure hope I could beat this giant. I don't think so. I think he knew he had, a, he had a biblical hope. He had a hope. He couldn't see the future, but I know that my God's going to do something great here. I feel the leading and the power. God is with me. You see, the truth of the matter is, when David walked down with that real hope into the valley, there was only one giant in that valley, and it wasn't Goliath. It was David. You see, we can do all things through Christ. It just takes hope. It just takes hope. And while there is much more to say about real hope, I, because there's really much written about hope, it's, it's used 30, 40, 50 times just in the New Testament. I want to give you a few things this morning, just from a few different passages about real hope. So jump, jump forward with me a little bit, or backwards rather, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want you to, I want you to picture this. Remember, remember Peter standing by the fire barrel? Remember after, the, Lord, after the, the soldiers come and got the Lord and they took him away with staves and swords and all those things like that? And Peter's kind of following behind. He goes up by the fire barrel, you know. That's kind of the way I picture it, you know. My upbringing, he's standing around the fire barrel and he's handling his warms. And those three individuals come out and say, hey, you're one of him. You know him. You're a follower of Jesus. And, of course, we know their story, how he denies them. Because he was ashamed of him. And Peter would never tell you, and none of us would ever tell, us that, tell anybody that we're ashamed of Jesus. But those actions speak louder than words. Those actions speak louder than words. Now, we're not here to pick on Peter this morning. But later on, we see that he was crucified for that faith. Tradition tells us that when they went to crucify him, Peter says, put me upside down. I'm not worthy. To be crucified the same, as, the same way my Savior is. So we see a change there. Again, we're not here to pick on Peter. But in that moment by the fire barrel, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, it, he did not show a display of real hope. You see, after receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit and being justified by his faith, a little, things changed. Look at, look at verse number 1 of Romans chapter 5. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience, hope and hope and hope. Maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given 
unto us. You see, again, back in Peter's story there, after he was justified by faith, he, he received the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 2 talks about how, this applies to anybody really, how he received the peace of God. Look at verse 2, wherein we stand, and we have access by faith into his grace. We give ac- we've been given access to the grace of God. And then the result of all of those things is rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And again, all of these actions were not just for Peter, and we're not really going to go verse by verse through these things. I want to get to the hope part here of these texts. These, these verses are for all of us. They are for every believer because hope is for every believer. Because if, think about this. If you have a personal relationship with Christ, that's a big if. If you have a personal relationship with Christ, if He is your Savior, then you have been justified by faith. You have been secured by grace. And the result should be rejoicing in hope. All those things are true. But look at verse 3. And not only so. It's like those old commercials. But wait, there's more. And not only so. There's, there's something I want to add to this, Paul says. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. So God's going to bless me and God's going to do all these things. I'm going to have eternal life. I have wonderful lives. I got, my children are awesome. I got a great place to live. I got a great church. I got a great pastor. Amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> And I'm supposed to give glory to God in all those things, right? Amen. But in tribulations also? Really? Come on. You know, God has promised us more that we'd get tribulations than we have blessings. And if you look at the life of the church the, since for these 2,000 years, it's been more of an enduring through tribulations than it has been, by the world's definitions, blessings. But we glory. We glory in tribulations also. We don't just give God the glory when times are good, but also when the times are tough. In fact, that's a mark of spiritual maturity. It's a mark of real hope. You know, I thought about it. I think I've shared this before uh, with you guys before. But as even since I've been the pastor here, I prayed for the Lord. And, and there was maybe some rough times. We all go through those things. And I wasn't thinking about leaving or anything like that. You know, but you go through those times when you, when you struggle with you know, the weight of whatever you have at hand. And I was in one of those moments. And I reached out to another preacher. And he says, well, just focus on those good times. Focus on when it was great. And I try, so I tried that. It didn't work. It doesn't work. You must focus on God. You must focus on my hope can't be in the good times because what if the good times never come? My hope must be in the Lord Jesus Christ. A mark of spiritual maturity. Because when we glory in small tribulations, it helps us to glory in those little bit bigger tribulations. And all of those things enable us to be a little more patient. And as those tribulations get tougher, our patience gets tougher. And we learn, just like this text talks about in Pace's experience, we learn through experience to trust God. To trust God. We learn that life, get this now, life is not about enduring tribulations. It's just not. Life is about trusting God. It's about trusting God. You know, a ship captain, he doesn't get to be the best ship captain by sailing through calm seas. He doesn't get to be the best, on the, the best in the Navy by sitting in his boat there on the docks all the time. His experience in rough seas, however, gives him the hope to endure the next storm. Look at verse 4 again. And patience, experience, and experience 
hope. Remember as a, that quote I had from that psychiatrist earlier? As long as an individual has hope, they can go through anything. They can recover from anything. They can endure anything. Patience leads to experience, and experience leads to hope. Even a glimmer of hope deep within a man will keep him holding on. It's different. This psychiatrist I talk about goes on to describe two different types of survivors or, or people have the psychological survivors and psychological victims. Both people went through the same ordeal, but once one man comes out as a survivor and the other man comes out as a victim. And the difference is hope. The difference is hope. Hope in anything other than himself and a cause or a mission or his children or his, his family or even a better day. But our hope is in God. Our hope is in, we have more hope than, than anybody, if you know the Lord. Even a glimmer of hope deep within us will keep us holding on. And again, for the Christian, we don't have a glimmer of hope. We have the light of the world. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit within us. And just like that ship captain can brave the stormy seas with confidence, we can brave the storms of life with confidence, with boldness even. Signs of real hope is a bold, bold hope, is a hope that's bold. We see that right there, verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. That's my first point this morning, a bold hope. Because it makes us not ashamed. You see, a real hope is a bold hope. It's not a timid hope. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense when you put timid and hope together. A hope that is not ashamed to be a Christian. A hope that is not ashamed to call on the Lord. A hope that is not ashamed to stand tall for the Lord. And whether it's through a physical storm, like this ship captain here, this fictional story here. Whether it's through a spiritual storm, a social storm, a political storm. Whatever the world throws at us, we can be confident because we have a hope in the real God. We have a real hope in a real God. Our hope is a bold hope, not a cocky hope, a confident hope. Boldness. Boldness, a bold hope. Now I want you to take your Bible and go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, all the way, a few pages to the right. It's page 1430 in my Bible, if that helps you at all. But uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. So we've talked about a bold hope, and I would love to read through this chapter here, and I'm still tempted to do so, but it's, it's a long one. But it's really, I encourage you to read it afterwards. I won't read all of it here, but I'm going I'm to jump through some of the meat of this chapter. Hebrews chapter 6, right after Hebrews chapter 5. <laughs> Look at verse number 1. Verse number 1 says, Therefore... Leaving, this is a key to this chapter now. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Jump down to verse number four. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Jump down to verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by Himself, Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, strong 
consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So not only do we have a bold hope, we have a binding hope. We have a binding hope. You know, almost 20 years ago, maybe 17, 16, 17 years ago, I was on vacation. Uh, I was that much younger. So I was out on the water, and we, we was in Florida somewhere, and we rented a pontoon boat. Everybody ever rented a pontoon boat? They're not very seaworthy. They're for calm waters. They're not for stormy waters. You will die. <laughs> but I was in one of these pontoon boats, and as I was renting it from the guy, I don't know if you remember this, Johnny, you were real young, and uh, he said, you know, be careful out there. There's a storm coming, but as long as you stay in, in the peninsula, so to speak, uh, you'll be all right. And it's very clear to see when the peninsula stops. There's a big opening. I mean, it's, it's probably as wide as, you know, all the way back to this, these two streets apart. So it's really wide, but on the open sea, you can see it pretty, pretty easy. He says, stay inside of this, and the storm won't be no big deal, you know. Uh, and he believed that. I believe that. You know, I'm, I grew up on the water, but way when I was young. So anyway, so we rent the boat, and we have all our family in the pond. They get the grills on there, all that. It's all craziness. It's fun stuff. But anyway, so we're way out there. And the storm, of course, comes in a little earlier. And there we are. And, and I, we saw the, we weren't paying attention. You're goofing off. You're swimming, you know. And you look up, and all of a sudden, the skies are dark. And you can see the rain coming off. The, I'm sure you've witnessed that many times. You can see the, the rain and the storms coming to the coast. So I, and I'm nearer to the opening to the peninsula than I am to the docks. I look at the docks. I look at the peninsula, I'm like, I'm not going to make that. <laughs> There's just no way. So I took the, the boat, and I just kind of went behind this little piece of land that stuck out, you know, probably about as wide as this. And I stuck it behind there, and I threw the anchor overboard. And I was like, we'll just wait out the storm. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a hurricane or anything. But we waited it out, and we made it. And, again, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, you have some waves going on there, you know. But I'm thankful that my anchor didn't move. It was horrible. It was steadfast. It was sure. It didn't move. And I don't think we'd have, we'd have been killed or anything like that, but it would have been very interesting going back if, we, if it didn't hold. But we just stood right there, and our anchor held. I found comfort in an anchor that held. But, you know, we have an anchor that's better than that. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have an anchor that's better than that. There is a better anchor. As verse 19 states, says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. But notice, uh, no, let me say this, the mere wording of that verse, I think, which hope we have as an anchor, of, it, it invokes surety, I think. It invokes security. It invokes comfort. I have an anchor that no matter how much those, you know, hurricanes could have come through there and blowed away, blowed, is that right? Blew away everything. And, but if my anchor had divine grip, the ship would have never moved. It would have been there. As crazy as the storms would go, but it would have never moved. And that's our Savior. The mere wording again invokes surety. But notice the first two words of verse 19 says, which hope? It's talking about something prior to that, leading us back to verse 18 and probably even to the remainder of this chapter beforehand or, or the previous parts of this chapter. Look at verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Yes, there's some things that our God cannot do because of his attributes. He cannot lie. Uh, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So 
We have a hope that we've fled to, that we've sought by two immutable things. There is a promise. In other words, all the hope that we have as Christians, every bit of it, all of it, all of our hope, all of our divine hope, our salvation, our comfort, our forgiveness, our eternal life, all of those things are based on the promises of God. Every single one of them. We have no hope outside the promises of God. They're based on the promises of God. So why is hope so much a more important? Actually, let's go back up to verse number 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that's you and me, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, an oath, a promise. Again, why is hope so much important to the believer? Why is our hope like an anchor for the soul? Because it is based on the promises of God. And as long as God keeps his promises, we have hope. It's that simple. As long as there's a God in heaven, we have hope. And as long as that same God keeps his promises, we have hope. Regardless of what we go on down, what we go, what goes on down here, we have hope. And then I want you to jump back up at verse number 13. He says, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He swears by himself. In other words, his, his promises are not based on Abraham's merit. They're not based on my merit or your merit. They're based on his merit. Uh, if you, that, uh, that song that I read to you earlier, Solid Rock, there's a, there's a stanza that is not really, it's not in our hymn books. But I have a, I have a book at home that talks about the, the origin of a lot of those hymns and the history behind the authors and stuff like that. And there was one of them in there that he wrote. This guy's from 1797 from England. And he wrote, and one of those things, he said that God's promises are based something along the lines of on his namesake. In other words, if he breaks his promises, then God loses his reputation. Something along those lines. And you think about that. You know, we as, as people, we, we interact with each other. We go to work. We, if we are liars... Eventually, people are not going to trust us. I mean, that's just all there is to it. We all make mistakes. We all think. We all say things. We embellish things from time to time. We make mistakes. But if we are known to be liars, people are, are not going to take our word for it. And this author of that hymn said that God's promises has His names at stake. God's name is at stake for us to have eternal life. God's name is at stake. I hope that's. I hope that's coming through. The right way. He swear by himself. So whatever life throws at us, regardless of how difficult life becomes, even beyond death, we have a hope, sure and steadfast. Think about that for a moment. If God is our anchor, if God is our anchor, anchors have what? They have lines on them. So we're, we're kind of latched into that line. And we're holding on to that line. It's like, more like that line's wrapped around us because it's not going to let us go. We're on that. And, and maybe as Christians, we're, we're trying to get closer to the Lord. But think about as that anchor is moving, or not moving, but time is moving. If I can kind of put this, kind of put this right here. Here's your anchor. Here's us. Maybe I should do it the other way. Here's the word, the anchor. You know, the word may flesh. Here's us. And the storms are coming. However, I guess they'll be coming this way. Right, so there's our anchor. Everybody with me so far? We're holding on to the rope. We're holding on to the anchor because the Lord is our anchor. More fact, it's wrapped around us. But the storms are coming. It keeps coming and coming and coming. But our anchor will not let us go. Our faith is is trusted in God. We have hope, and that anchor is not going to move. And we have promises from the Word of God that it's not going to move. But get this: the grave is right here. Our anchor goes beyond the grave. 
Tell me another hope in this life that goes beyond the grave. He is the only hope, the only anchor, the only, the only thing you can put your trust in that goes beyond the grave. As Christians, even as Christians, we put our hope in so much here in this world. And then we go through those, those hopes just fall apart in front of us sometimes. They just, they just crush and they crush us. But when our hope is beyond the grave, when our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who conquered death, who went beyond death and overcome the world, what in the world can this world do to us? Yes, it can beat us. It can throw us around. We can be stuck in the, in the, um, in the water there real close to the beach on a rocky shore, the surf there. But our anchor holds. Our anchor holds. It goes beyond the grave. Look at verse number 19 again. It is he who enters into that within the veil. Friends, beyond the veil is the throne room of God. Our anchor is the throne of God. It's not moving. It's in God. It's not moving. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, an unmovable anchor, because Jesus is unmovable. So hold on to that line. He won't let you go, but hold on to that line. It will not break. It will not falter. It will hold no matter what, because Jesus is at the other end. And he's holding on to us. And then lastly this morning, I want you to turn to Titus chapter 2. Keep on going. All the T's are in line, right, Brother, uh, Brother uh, Shannon? First, first Timothy, Second Timothy, and it's missing out of my Bible. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. First Thessalonians, all those things. There we go. Titus chapter 2. You know, I said in the beginning that there are many attributes about real hope. And there's no way we'll be able to exhaust all of those this morning. But when a Christian talks about his or her hope, it shouldn't be a shallow wishing for a better future. It's a bold hope. It's a binding hope. And then look at verse number 13 of chapter 2. It is a blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. As sure as our anchor holds, and surer than our presence here today, God is coming back. The Lord is returning. My brother, when he planted his church out in Burns, Wyoming, he's since got a new building. He's been there, I think, going on the seventh year there. He prayed, I would say, at least a year in advance for God to do a work in Wyoming. At least a year. That's kind of when I came on board. And he was already... Already at work praying. We prayed together and all those things. And he prayed for the name of a church. And I know that's uh, not a common thing, probably in Germany. We're all Fry Baptist and Gemeindes and all those things like that. Uh, but in, in America, we usually name churches. And there's a whole different reason why we do those things. But he, la- he named it after this, after this verse here. Blessed Hope Baptist Church. His hope, our hope, Paul's hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Thessalonians chapter 4 says that our Lord himself, not an angel, he's not going to send anybody else to do it, but our Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Is that, I think sometimes we lose the excitement of that. The Lord's coming back. 
Praise God, he's coming back. I met a, a 96-year-old preacher one time when I was on deputation. He was up in Kentucky somewhere. He could barely get around. He'd walk with a cane. He'd come up to the very quiet man until you, until you got him up here anyway. Uh, but very quiet man. And I went up to him. I was like, hey, you got any, you got any advice? advice? Any good advice for a young preacher getting into ministry? He's like, keep looking up. Keep looking up. That's all he said. I was like, anything else? Keep looking up. Three times he told me. Keep looking up. Keep looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Because if our hope is fixed on that, it changes everything. It's like, it's like when we're walking through a field, right? And if you dead reckon a water tower, as long as you can see that water tower, you're really not going to get lost. You guys that walked out in the woods and stuff like that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to get lost. Dead reckon on the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow the Lord. In verse 13, he says, it's a glorious appearing. The glorious appearing of our great God. You know, so yes, real hope is just that. It's, it's real. It's a bold hope. It's a binding hope and a blessed hope. It's a hope that is only found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a hope that you can earn, but it's a hope that will change your entire perspective, even your destination. Listen, let's look at verses 11 through 14. We're almost done here. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, which we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He gave himself for us, that he might redeem us. Listen, without Christ, if you don't know Christ, I didn't hit on to a lot this morning, uh, and I probably won't hit on real hard right now, but if you don't know Christ, there is no hope. There's no hope. Your hope is only in this world. And if our hope is only in this world, it's not a real hope. You know, it is highly unlikely for us to look for the blessed hope of His glorious return if the only hope we have is on this side of the grave. Let's put our hope in Him. Trust Christ today. You know, in a world that we live in, you watch the news more than five minutes, you realize that we're in a broken world. A wicked and, and perverse nation. Friendships fall apart. Marriages fall apart. People just are at each other's throats, it seems. But Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one. He's the only one. He's the only friend. I told my children when they went away, Billy and Kaylee, Johnny is still here, of course. And when they went away, it's like, listen, when you're, when you're away and when you're alone and when you can't call me, you can't call your mom, you can't call your friends, you know who is always there? The Lord Jesus Christ. Even death cannot separate you from him. Even death. Even death. If that's our perspective, it changes everything. It really does. He is the only one that this world cannot separate you from. What's that verse? I am persuaded that neither death nor life and all those other things. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He will always be there through thick and thin beyond the end. Jesus will never forsake you. So as this text says right there in the last uh, verse 14, last part of that, let's be a peculiar people. Let's be a people zealous for good works and have a bold hope, knowing that you have a binding hope and looking for that blessed hope.
Let's pray.